0: you're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel, find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Loving Heavenly Father, would you come and dwell amongst us by the power of your Holy Spirit this morning, that we might know you, that we might love you, and that we might walk in your ways. This we ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Well, please keep your bulletin open to the Revelation reading. I feel like I'm in darkness a little bit here. Uh, That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Well, as we come uh, to the end of the book of Revelation, our passage this morning begins with the Apostle John being shown a vision of a bride, the wife of the Lamb. This bride turns out to be the holy city of Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from God. Now, the book of Revelation is a tale of two cities. I don't know if you've ever read that book. I tried it, gave up pretty quickly. But the book of Revelation is actually a tale of two cities. On the one hand, you have Babylon. The city of Babylon It's the dwelling place of everything that is evil. It's described in chapter 17 as Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. So that's a pretty good description of Babylon. On the other hand, you have the holy city of Jerusalem, the dwelling place of God and his people, where righteousness reigns. This is not the current day city of Jerusalem in Israel right now, but a new Jerusalem that is coming. It's a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. And in this vision that John sees, he sees kind of two different images. Our passage is broken up into two different images. First, in verses 22 and 27, John sees what, we, what we'll call the temple city. Then in chapter 22, verses 1 through 5, within this temple city, John sees what we'll call the garden city. And so temple and garden are themes throughout the Bible, very prominent themes throughout the Bible. So I hope that when you are listening to this passage read Your mind was being taken to all those different scriptures uh, that uh, in different places in scripture that these themes arise. Because that's exactly what John is trying to make you do. But let's take a closer look at these two visions, what they're referring to. So first, the the temple city. We see uh, in verse 22 that this is the dwelling place of God. Look at verse 22 with me, would you? It says... Then the angel showed me, sorry, that's chapter 22. Where am I? Verse 10, sorry. This reading has been cut short. That's what's happened. Okay, that makes sense. This is what it says in verse 22 of chapter 21 And I saw no temple in the city, for the temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. In the Bible, the temple is a very important idea. Uh, so if you, have your, if you have your phones, open up your Bibles. We're in the end of chapter 21, start of chapter 22. The temple is a very important idea. The temple uh, was in Jerusalem, and people would come from far and wide to worship there because the temple represents the presence of God. The temple was God's house. If you wanted to meet with God, you went into the temple. If you wanted to worship God, you went to the temple. If you wanted forgiveness of your sins, you went to the temple. It was the place you went to spend time with God. In the New Testament, the temple is replaced by Jesus. He was God's dwelling among us, God with us. And then at Pentecost, the church, the people of God, we become the temple of God as God comes to dwell in us by his Holy Spirit. So in John's vision, he sees the ultimate fulfillment of this temple theme. The temple is not a physical location, but God himself. And so what the temple pointed forward to, what the temple foreshadowed, is finally fulfilled in this new Jerusalem. No longer will there be distance between us and God. No longer will there be a mediator between us and God, but we will see him face to face. No longer will we see him dimly like a reflection in a mirror, but we will know him fully as we are fully known. As someone who has uh, friends and family a long way away, take it from me that it's so much better seeing someone face to face. And we all know this, don't we? And we do this. But how apparent has that been these past couple of years? Well, you know, as an introvert, it's nice to have alone and quiet spaces. The reality is, we need face-to-face contact with other people. The good news of the creation is that the relationship we have now with God is only going to get so much better. We will walk with God as Adam and Eve did in the garden. This is really good news if, like me, you struggle with prayer because it feels like a one-way conversation. In the New Jerusalem, we'll be able to talk with God face to face. Now, I need to note once again, I preached on Revelation a couple weeks ago, and I, we're forced in Revelation to see that there is God the Father and God the Son together in unity. They are one in all that they do. We're not talking about two different gods here. We're talking about the God in three persons, the one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in verse 23 of chapter 21, we see that the glory of this triune God permeates every part of this new creation. So much so that there's no need for a sun or a moon. That theme is repeated in chapter 22. Verse 5, and there'll be no night, and the night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. When Moses met with God on the mountain, his face glowed, so that they had to veil his face, they had to put a veil over his face, so that they wouldn't be blinded by the glow of Moses' face. When Isaiah is given a vision of God, he sees God's glory and is confronted by his own sinfulness. Woe is me. When the resurrected Jesus appeared to the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, Jesus' glory threw Paul from his horse onto the ground and it blinded him. God's glory is overwhelming. But in this new Jerusalem, God's glory will be the light in which we walk, just as we walk in the light of the sun. And just as the nations surrounding Israel came to Solomon when he was king, so the kings of the Lord will come to this new Jerusalem to bring their glory. A constant stream of people all day long coming to worship God. This temple city is for all nations. And at last the promise that God made to Abraham, that all peoples would be blessed through him, is fulfilled. As this new Jerusalem becomes a dwelling place for all people. So this temple city is the place of God's immediate presence where the people of God will finally be in the presence of God in perfect relationship with Him worshipping Him face to face. Then in chapter 22 this vision changes as John's vision transformed from a temple city to a garden city. And the theme of the imagery changes from temple worship to eternal life. In this garden city the River of life which flows from the throne of God and the Lamb is there. And this river nourishes the tree of life which stands on either side of the river. And here we're once again reminded that this is imagery as this one tree stands on two sides of the river. This is a vision of great abundance. The tree of life doesn't just yield fruit in one season. This tree yields fruit continually. Continually. There are no more seasons, no more frosts, no more rains, no more droughts, just abundance. It reminds us of the very first garden God made, the Garden of Eden. But this garden city is even greater than the Garden of Eden as it's now restored and perfected. Notice that this is no ordinary river. The source of this river is the throne of God. It flows out from God and from the Lamb. And the tree of life and the whole garden get their life from God. One, Pastor Tim Chester notes, Christians do not become immortal in the sense of having a self-sustaining life. Instead, we live forever because we are forever given life through the death of Jesus. We are given life from God. There is nothing accursed in this garden. No longer will we toil, no longer will our work be frustrated. The curse that God put on, the, on us and all creation in Genesis 3 is finally and completely gone. From these two visions we see that finally heaven and earth are fully and completely joined together in the wedding feast of the Lamb where we worship truly and live the abundant life perfectly and forever. Well, there's a couple of implications from this passage that I want to tease out for us. Firstly, life is found in God. He is the source of all life. And it's in relationship with him that we have access to this life. In both the temple city and the garden city, life is centred on God. He's in the middle of it. He's in the midst of it. All things find their nucleus in God. And in Him, all things are held together. This is not only true of this new Jerusalem, the new creation that is to come, but it's true for us today as well. If you want to live your best life now, then center your life on God. Seek to have and build your relationship with Him. Get into the habit of spending time with Him, reading your Bible, and talking to Him in prayer gathering with his people as you have done in corporate worship today and encouraging one another one-to-one. This life is found in relationship with God. Second implication, God wants you to experience this abundant life, this life that is to come. He wants to walk with you in the garden. He wants to walk with you like he did with Adam and Eve. He's not a capricious or unpredictable or fickle God. God is not out to get you, but he loves you and he longs to be in relationship with you. So much so that he sent his son to die for the forgiveness of your sins. So that the relationship that we damaged by our rebellion might be repaired and reconciled. That we might once again be able to stand in the very presence of God. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full that life that he's talking about is life that is found in him. Well, how can you enter this city? Look at verse 27. No, you can't do that. In verse 27 it says, But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Although the New Jerusalem is open for all people and its gates don't, do not shut, This doesn't mean that all people will come in. It's only for those whose names are written in the book of life. It is only through Jesus, the sacrificial lamb who was slain, that we might enter into the presence of God. It's when we turn away from sin and turn to Jesus and put our trust in him that our names will be written in this book. Later in chapter 22, verse 14, we read, Blessed are those who wash their robes, so that they may have the right to the tree of life, that they may enter the city by the gates. It is only those who have been washed in the blood of Jesus who can enter the city gates, who have the right to the tree of life. What does this mean to be washed in the blood of Jesus? Well, this image represents being covered in Jesus' sacrifice, an image of being included in his atoning sacrificial death for your sins on the cross. We can enter this city, we can have relationship with God because of Jesus, because of his sacrifice for us. So friends, this vision, this glorious future, this new Jerusalem is coming soon. Jesus is coming back to usher in this new reality. If your name isn't written in this Lamb's Book of Life, today is a day to turn back to God and to turn to Jesus in repentance and faith. But if you are a Christian and your robes have been washed in his blood, then I encourage you to persevere, to keep on going. Don't be tempted by the city of Babylon and the illusion of life that it gives. But keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, that you might have life in him. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. That the one who desires take the water of life without price. He who testifies to these things says, surely I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Let us pray. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks that you do love us so abundantly, that all of life is found in you, and that we can have access to that life in Jesus Christ. We ask that you would usher in this new reality soon, that our pain and suffering would be over, that uh, this life uh, in its toil would come to an end, and that we might enjoy that new creation with you perfectly and forever. We ask that this would come quickly, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.